Hello and welcome to Schlock Tactics, the movie podcast where we believe badder is better and aim to review the cretinous killer croc movies so that you don't have to. My name is Ash and I'm joined once again by Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Good eating. I mean, evening. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Tonight we are reviewing uh, two infamous B-movies featuring uh, your, your favourite killer animal, the crocodile or the alligator, depending on where you are. Before we get to that, we'll mention the last uh, episode that we did. If you did miss it, it was uh, the time that we reviewed the infamous Troll 2, legendary bad movie on the Mount Rushmore of bad movies. Troll 1 and Troll 2, we, we've gotten all the Troll movies out of the way, so you can go back and check that out. Uh, but today, as I say, we are going to be uh, reviewing, since uh, the new movie, uh, new killer crocodile movie Crawl has just come out in the cinemas, mm-hmm. uh, which people may have seen advertised. We thought we'd go back into two of the more lesser known uh, killer crocodile movies for you. So we're going to be reviewing Alligator from 1980 and Blood Surf, aka Crocodilus, from the year 2000. First of all, we will get into Alligator. So as I say, this is from 1980. This comes as part of the wave, no pun intended, of movies that are ripping off Jaws. You name it, after Jaws, basically any slightly dangerous animal was was made yeah. bigger and and more dangerous and preferably in the water so that they could do the theme music and, and yeah, rip off Jaws. So mm. everyone's ripping off Jaws in the late uh, 70s, early 80s and this is finally one where we get a, uh, a giant crocodile movie going for the Jaws formula here. One massive dangerous animal terrorising a local, a local town. So this is a, this is a movie I'm I'm very familiar with. Uh, it was a favourite of mine to rent on VHS from from Blockbuster, my local VHS shop. This was a favourite. The the cover had a a massive sort of flat alligator in a in a sewer, which I think I shared on our social media the other day. So uh, and yeah, the alligator is called Ramon, Ramon. which is a ter- terrifying <laughs> name for for a killer alligator. Does. Uh, Robert Foster, who was a big sort of movie star in the 60s and 70s, sort of on his way down. And as, as all big actors on their way down, they usually make a few stop in the uh, the B-movie, killer animal movie uh, station. And uh, the director of this movie, he would actually only do one other quite big movie, and that was Cujo, a.k.a. Oh. the mad killer dog movie. <laughs> so this is clearly his niche. He, he can direct animals going mental and attacking people. So this uh, this movie alligator starts off with actually a close up of an alligator and its eye opening, but then you realise that it's in the zoo, so it's so it's fine. But it's not fine because the zookeeper is mauled to death. To which the audience watching the, the feeding time sort of clap sheepishly, and um, the little girl says like, "What happened there?" <laughs> and the ambulance men that are sort of carting the bloody body out was like, "Well, sometimes the gators win." <laughs> and she's like, "Ah, yeah, okay, great." Good. But yeah, this doesn't dissuade her from getting a baby alligator. <laughs> I, you can buy these at the zoo. That well, sounds weird. Or from a pet shop, perhaps. But she does buy a baby alligator. Calls him Ramon. But her dad is not happy with, uh, with with this. He's not happy with her behavior. She's acting out, so he flushes it down the toilet. Mm, bad idea. I mean, I know people do that with like fish, like goldfish when they're dead. But an, an alligator <laughs> like down the toilet, it's a bit, it's a bit weird. But obviously, it's a massive MacGuffin. We have to do this so that we get the giant crocodile. Um, you do get kind of this fun, like, um, spiralling effect as the, as the alligator's going down the pipes. So you get the cameras going, <laughs> round and round and round. It's sort of going down on his little sewer adventure. So, like, flushed away, but with a tiny uh, alligator. And then we fast forward 12 years later. Just enough time for an alligator to grow 
massive in the sewers. Robert Foster uh, makes his appearance and gets the first of many of his sort of uh, zingers in this movie when the, the pet shop owner says, oh, what are you going to do, call the cops? And he says, I am the cops. <laughs> he is cops. I am the law. You are cops. <laughs> yeah. A lot of his one-liners are, I think, vaguely referencing other films or maybe sort of parodying his previous roles. He was a tough guy in sort of cop films. So mm. this is all quite quite self-aware um, performance in quite a self-aware film, I think. He's called down to the sewage works where they found many severed limbs just floating up from, yeah. the, from the sewer system. The worker there even mentions that they found uh, a severed toe of one body and that was the only bit that they found. Yeah. But they still had a funeral. <laughs> so Robert Foster says, I must have been a really small casket. <laughs> yeah, so early on you're like, okay, this is going to be kind of funny then. Yeah. Uh, the pet store owner, it transpires, he sort of catches um, animals off the street and uh, brings them to the vivisection lab uh, to be donated to this sort of evil local, <laughs> evil local corporation uh, called Slate, which is sort of a vivisection lab where they're testing uh, all sorts of chemicals and things so he brings them kind of cats and stuff like that and the scientist is like puppies i need puppies <laughs> he says the word puppies about five times yeah 500 times yeah. I, I think so we get the picture yes okay puppies right great um so that the vet goes and dumps all of the unwanted like dogs that he's just captured and all the vivisection has killed them with his experiments he dumps them all out in the sewers and then of course we learn that this is where ramon is still living and he's, he's gotten a little bit bigger first of many many sequences where you get a pov shot of of the crocodile with with the jaws music and the jaws camera the jaws film basically mm. yeah this is you get lots of these lots of stalking in the sewers as well which is clever really because it's a lot cheaper than trying to film something out at sea yeah, uh, and having to coordinate all of that with the, the right weather and not, this is just a darkened uh, sort of set uh, presumably, or, or you know, uh, a sort of sewer-ish location where it's all dark and you can't really see what's happening. You can't really see the monster, mm. so it could be massive. It could not be. You don't know yet. Keep the lighting low. Keep the lighting low. <laughs> make your crop look big. That's what I say. Yeah. So again, there's all this talk. I just love the fact that there's a sort of evil corporation, but it's really, really local. It's a local evil corporation yeah. for local people. Um, <laughs> Support independent businesses. <laughs> independent supervillains. Um, this doctor, uh, this uh, Mr. Slate, whatever he's called, is a sort of Blofeld looking bald character who wants to hush up the press. You know, we don't want people finding out that, that we're, you know, dumping animals in the, in the sewer. Mm. Uh, the local people's animals you know people are losing dogs and cats left and right and they don't know where they're going yeah and they're going in the sewer and in fact the press just sort of speculate that there's a serial killer and uh, we get many many bald jokes in this film <laughs> yeah from robert foster now apparently he sort of improvised this in one scene and the director was so pleased that that he was willing to take the piss out of his own baldingness <laughs> that he wrote um several other jokes for other characters to to make However, he's not really that bald. He's slightly thinning at the front, and that's it. It's quite cool that the actor is taking the piss out of himself because he's yeah. quite a tough sort of looking actor. But um, I have to say, I don't think he's very bald at this point, <laughs> so I don't know if it always works. Some bloke walks into the police station, says he's got a bomb, big ticking timer on his chest. So they take the, the, uh, the radio off of him. It's not a bomb, it's just a radio. 
bit more sewer skulking. Um, Mad- Madison, Robert Foster's character, Madison takes a young uh, policeman called Kelly down to the sewer where they have to sort of get kitted up and they're told to watch out for the methane. That's the thing that will really get you in the sewers uh, if you uh, inhale too much methane, if you light uh, a cigarette or something and you'll blow the whole fucking neighbourhood up. Mm. That's the sort of suggestion. <laughs> Again, this will come up later. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, Kelly is is mauled by Ramon as well, and there's this little bit where Madison's trying to crawl out of the manhole, and he's holding on to to Kelly, and he just like no, <laughs> and drops him, and he gets like, oh, like yeah. swiped off. Um, you see him sliding out of shot, which is quite fun. Next thing you know, Madison is in hospital, and he says to the nurse, "Well, what the hell am I doing here?" He's like, "I don't know. You just popped out of a manhole and started yelling alligator." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Well, I've got something to tell you about that." You know. <laughs> And here we are introduced to the, the herpetologist, aka alligator expert, uh, Dr. Kendall, who is the love interest for uh, for Madison in this. She's the expert on alligators, so she's sort of telling them it's not, not really possible for an alligator to grow this big in the sewer. You know, you must you must have been tripping balls in the sewer. You know, you can't have seen a 30, 40 foot alligator. It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, this sort of sleazy reporter finds out about uh, about the alligator from a very loose-lipped nurse, the reporter sort of walks in and says, uh, oh, so what was up with that Madison guy then? And she's like, well, let me tell you, he was shouting all about a giant alligator in the sewers. And, uh, you know, he was on too many meds, really. I shouldn't have given him too many meds. But there you go. And, uh, yeah, there's an alligator in the sewers, giant alligator. Where's the fucking D- DPA here? Yeah. The GDPR? Doctor patient uh, confidentiality. Yeah. Fucking 1980, there's no... No, no security here. This is terrible. So the reporter goes down because he wants to find out about this this giant alligator and ends up getting chomped up. The interesting part is that he's he's got his camera out at the time and it's flashing while he's getting eaten. Mm. So they end up recovering his body with the film and it shows just ma- like close-ups of massive teeth and massive like crocodile jaws coming towards the camera, which yeah. is pretty cool. That's like your first proper look at the the alligator in stills, where it's quite complimentary and mm. look, looks quite realistic. Good way to introduce your, uh, you know, your fake alligator. Eventually, then after these uh, photographs are published, all the authorities all of a sudden believe Madison. Okay, yeah, maybe there is a giant alligator in the sewers. You were right, and they're gonna sort of flush them out. So um, they get all the SWAT, all the army, the National Guard to all go down to these like storm drains like they have in Los Angeles. Yeah, um, reminds me. It kind of reminds me of like uh, invaders from Mars when they try and sort of flush them out of the, the storm drains and like uh, them, the giant ants movie. That's how that ends as well. Just all the military going into these storm drains. These storm drains are used a lot in like movies, mm. not just monster movies, but like noir thrillers from the forties and stuff. Like you'll always have these, these massive storm drains and even like um, Terminator two. Yeah. When the truck is chasing him on the bike, that's sort of set around this sort of area as well. Quite iconic uh, location to shoot you. Uh, your scenes in in, in LA. Um, but the idea is that they're going to flush it out by sort of hitting uh, bins with baseball bats. It's like the slipknot approach. Yeah. Um, just bah, 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 bah. Doesn't really end up working. Uh, we get the line here where um, this has kind of stuck with me for, for years and years. He, call, he refers to uh, Kendall, the herpetologist, as a kid, and she says, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm 28 years old. He's like, well, anyone younger than me is a kid. <laughs> That's why he calls everyone kids. So it's yeah. my favourite line. Mm-hmm. Again, a parody of a of a gruff policeman hmm. is what is what this Madison character is. Um, so they aren't able to flush it out the storm drain. So they say, well, that's it. I guess there is no giant alligator down there. 
uh, we better get out of here before the press try and interview us and stuff like that. Um, but then we get a really memorable scene here where Ramon just emerges right through the street, right yeah. through the pavement. Some kids are playing baseball and just... <laughs> this massive fake head breaks through the pavement here. Now, this is, is quite interesting, and I'm not sure if you noticed here, Mark, but there's, there's a combination here of a fake crocodile head and a, and a real crocodile ah. in, in combination. So it'll switch back and forth from this massive swaying head with the camera next to it. And then all of a sudden you'll see a real alligator with sort of miniature fire hydrant and police cars around it. Yeah. It's initially quite subtle. You see it a bit more later on, but... I just, um, yeah, I just remember <clears throat> seeing an alligator coming out of a drain and chasing some kids, but didn't really look too... It was quite low res on YouTube, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. If anyone wants to watch us on YouTube, you can, but it's not great quality. You do get combinations of practical effects and a genuine real-life alligator being just put in this little set where he can roam around slightly tiny um, police cars and stuff to make him look bigger, so the Godzilla sort of approach. Yeah. It's also the approach of really old uh, monster movies like the Gila Monster and like 10,000 BC where they just took like iguanas and lizards and stuck like dinosaur spikes on the back and like, mm. we'll just use that. You're not really able to direct uh, a lizard uh, as well <laughs> as you could perhaps a, a, a prop, but that's the sort of approach they've taken here. I think they've hedged their bets. They're like, look, we've got this animatronic head. It's not great. And it, and it was notorious for malfunctioning, apparently, just like Bruce in Jaws, mm. uh, the mechanical animal, Marilyn Manson album, <laughs> um, was not, not playing ball a lot of the time. <clears throat> and in fact, after this film wrapped, they would donate it to a local sports team where Ramon would become a mascot for the Florida Gators. I don't know what they play, baseball maybe. <laughs> and he would come out during halftime and sort of do a little dance. Yeah. Well, I don't know if this is a guy that has the head on him. I don't know if anyone has seen uh, uh, Ramon at a local sporting event in America. Let us know. But yeah, this is the first time you see. Well, you see the character in full. Sometimes it's props. Sometimes it's a real alligator. But that's the that's part of the fun. He eats a cop straight away who accidentally flips his car, which immediately explodes. It's an incredibly yeah. bad crash. <laughs> yeah, it's a really... Um, really dramatic. Really disproportionate. Uh, clips a car and just boom! Yeah. And he's still in there trying to get out and he doesn't realise for ages that he can just get out the window. Yeah. And then he does get out the window and he has his, uh, his ankles eaten. Yeah. <laughs> eaten off, which is quite fun. So yeah, we get a bit more gore here. It's pretty good fun. Mm. Then there's the introduction of a character called Colonel Brock, who is a real asshole. He's um, a big game hunter. Uh, ex-military big game hunter and he's been brought in just to just to kill this thing straight away he's like a sexist pig he's cracking onto all the women mm. making weird alligator mating calls to try and um, crack onto reporters and stuff like that he's just gross uh, villain around this sort of area where the, the, the crocodile was last spotted there's sprung up a bit of a sort of a, a bit of a marketplace so there's a bloke selling merchandise which has one of the worst <laughs> yeah. puns i could imagine alexander the gator as in alexander the, the great yeah doesn't work no as a guy selling baby crocodiles again so you know the cycle repeats itself uh, madison uh, has him arrested and he he says what happened to free enterprise you commie <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good line. <laughs> yeah, it, it is around this time that they do discover the um, the dead test subjects in the sewer. Uh, they've been dumped by the Slate Corporation. They find out it's because of the growth hormones they were injecting these animals in. That's why these things have happened. 
again, quite an overreaction here where Madison goes to his chief and says, look, I found out what happened. The, it's the Slate Corporation. They've been leaking chemicals. And his chief is just like... You're sacked. You're off the, you're off the force. <laughs> Can't be having this. He's like, why? He's like, you've pushed. You've pushed too much. What has he pushed? He's just come to him and told him. Like, what? I don't understand. So it's really out of nowhere. He's like, no, look, you just, you're sacked. Okay, right? <laughs> it's just an excuse for him to go go rogue, I guess. Yeah. Uh, doesn't make any sense. But the idea is that the, the police chief is in the pocket of the Slate Corporation who already know what's going on here and they want to nip it in the bud. So. But on the, way, on the way out of the station, he's sure to raid the evidence cupboard and is able to grab the sort of homemade radio um, detonation device seen earlier with the, uh, with the bomb threat. And also there's just some dynamite that was hanging around. Uh, so this will come up later. <laughs> but he has his own IED now. So he continues to go after Ramon. Obviously, he's a man with nothing to lose now. A lot more sewer stalking with uh, with Dr. Kendall as well. It's a great scene. Basically, over the course of a night, Ramon wreaks havoc on the town whilst Madison uh, and Kendall just have sex because Madison's been sacked. So therefore, he doesn't really have to hunt the crocodile <laughs> or figure out where it came from so he's like well you know what i'm just gonna go and shag this herpetologist uh, for the night and yeah. uh, you can solve this priorities yeah so while he does that loads of people die um including um some children who are at a birthday party a pirate themed birthday party and they tell this kid to walk the plank and then the, the mum turns on this the pool lighting from un- and you can see lift from underneath you see the crocodile lurching out which is a really cool shot yeah and the kid gets eaten and all the blood is sort of uh, lit from below as well, all the red. It looks pretty cool. It's a pretty uncomfortable sequence where the uh, uh, Colonel Brock commandeers what he calls the natives, uh, what we would call some young young black kids. There's lots of really gross like references to jungle and, uh, and chieftains and all this sort of stuff. It's horrible. But it's alright, because it's just a prelude to Brock being eaten whole <laughs> by Ramon when he wanders down a sort of a misty alleyway. He shoots him, doesn't he? But it doesn't work. <clears throat> yeah, well, he, he uh, one of the kids tries to shoot him, but he's not been given the proper training of how to operate a sort of elephant gun. Yeah. Um, so it just doesn't work, and he's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here! <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, the racist gets eaten. Uh, the race, racist chauvinist gets eaten, so yeah. there's justice. The gang run off. <laughs> and they just run off after having already been paid. Yeah. And they've got like some pretty expensive looking guns now as well, <laughs> so there you go. Justice. There's a really quick sequence here, which doesn't fit in at all, but it's just some police in a speedboat chasing the alligator in a little lake until they end up hitting it with their boat and, yes, jumping the alligator yeah so this is our happy days jumping the shark reference crowbarred in like like nobody's business yeah. just like wouldn't it be cool if we jumped over it in a speedboat not really but okay <laughs> you've got money to spend on a speedboat scene all right let's do it so there you go they jump the crocodile instead of jumping the shark and then we get that i think the, the best scene in the in the whole movie the scene i always remember the best and you'll see it uh, on YouTube in small clips, the the dinner party scene. Oh, yeah. The the posh gala. Um, so this is a Slate Corporation having a sort of a function. It's not clear if it's like a wedding or a benefit event. It's not really clear what it is, but it's really posh. And there are waiters and hors d'oeuvres and 
loads of people wearing white, which will, which will make sense in a minute. Um, as many people wearing white as possible, please. Including the poodle, which discovers Ramon, which is also white. Ramon crashes the party. And again, you see the kind of almost the full body practical effects. And I think at this point you realise that in 1980, I would say these are pretty decent practical effects. You know, it's animatronic head, animatronic tail, you know, sort of full front portion of the body yeah. you know they haven't constructed an entire uh, alligator because that would be that would be difficult and even though they said that during uh, production this was quite unreliable and didn't really cooperate i think it looks pretty good and it just goes on a fucking massive rampage and it's great people are falling in the pool there's <laughs> like a bride that falls in the pool for some reason He's like whipping people with his tail and people are just f like flying like yeah. 40 miles an hour into like champagne glasses and, and buffet tables and like ca wedding cakes. It makes no like physical sense how far <laughs> they're flying. <laughs> well, that, that's it. Like you, you sort of look down and you look up and people are going to like 50 mile an hour full pelt and you're like, how did that happen and then it just this little whip of a tail <laughs> and it cuts to the little whip of a tail and someone goes Aah! and gets like like smashed again so it makes no no um scientific sense no there. um slate takes refuge in his limo and the mayor banging on the window let me in let me in because the mayor is all corrupt and he's in bed with the corporation and he gets what he deserves as well he gets eaten up as well and the limo just get all, all fucking smashed up. So they, this is a great scene. It's just absolute mayhem. Like about 50 extras just told, look, there will be... Just imagine there's a fucking massive crocodile uh, and react yeah. accordingly. So they, they really go for it. Like, they're like, ah! Uh, people losing their shit. This this is great. If you if you only watch this scene on YouTube, I, I would recommend it. And you get to see some of the great the great practical effects, particularly when the alligator is, is chomping people in half and their guts are hanging out. Oh, it's pretty good. Interesting trivia here. I don't know if you knew this. The person who was the production assistant to the practical effects department <laughs> and was responsible for rigging the guts of the alligator is Brian Cranston. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the most famous person in this film was um, responsible for assembling fake... I thought I might have seen his name on the credits. Fake guts, yeah. I, I don't know whether he's... Is he I, on the credits? He would have been in there somewhere. Production credits. I think so, yeah. 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 I thought, oh, what a coincidence, but no. There you go, that's the, the Brian Cranston, one of his first, uh, I guess, um, forays into, into film. He would have been pretty young back then, I guess. Young-ish. I don't know if he's ever been young, but <laughs> as young as it gets, yeah. I think he was born 38. <laughs> Showdown here then, once Madison realises that the alligator is on the loose again, confronts him in the sewer, there's a showdown, uh, there's a more, more cutting between a fake prop and a real alligator, so there'll be a little side-on shot of an alligator just plodding through the sewers, but it looks really small, because it will be small compared mm. to compared to what the animal's meant to look like, and then it'll cut to a massive head again, It doesn't. it's not quite as seamless as it was earlier on. But luckily, as I mentioned earlier, he grabbed a, a, a explosive device from the uh, from the evidence room, and he already knows that there's loads of methane down in the sewers. So he ends up rigging the bomb to the alligator, and then his plan is to escape. But then he gets to the top, and someone's parked their bloody car on the manhole cover. Oh, yeah. So Kendall has to say, "Look, move your car. Why? Just do it. There's someone in the sewer." 
What? Yeah, she ends up just like pulls her out of the car. <laughs> There's no time to explain. She just carjacks this person so she can get it out of the way. Uh, and then Madison. It's a really good moment. Actually. It is funny. Madison gets out of the manhole, and then this fucking manhole explodes about fifteen times, <laughs> shot from like fifteen different angles. I think the suggestion was that manhole covers all over the town were exploding, but it was clearly one shot from several different angles. The old, yeah. the old action movie explosion. Ramon's head explodes in two, and loads of guts come flying at the screen. Mm. Made by Brian Cranston's fair hand. <laughs> So there you go. And of course, at the very, very end of the film, when it was all a happy ending, we get another shot down in the sewer and out of the pipe. Plops a new another, baby alligator. Another baby, presumably the one that was confiscated earlier on hmm. by the, the capitalist uh, <laughs> the capitalist guy, uh, the free market guy. Yeah. Um, so there you go, setting this scene for uh, a sequel, which actually would arrive 11 years later. In 1991 with Alligator mm. 2 The Mutation haven't seen it I was going to say I'm assuming there's a sequel but I didn't I mean they, they put these endings in there anyway regardless yeah, yeah. just in case yeah. yeah we can always chop it out if the film doesn't do very well <laughs> on, the, on the home video release so yeah so there you go Alligator from 1980 a classic of the uh, the giant uh, killer animal uh, genre what were your overall thoughts on this one Mark? yeah I enjoyed it it was uh pretty schlocky mm-hmm. it's quite fast paced especially like the first sort of half mm. plenty of action plenty yeah. of people getting eaten like there was yeah. probably a bit more than I was expecting I think people losing their shins <laughs> yeah things exploding lots of legs being bitten off and <laughs> yeah people getting devoured at all. exclusively legs most <laughs> of the time yeah. um, the weird thing is I hadn't I haven't I don't think I've really seen Robert Forster in anything from the 60s and 70s mm. but I've seen him in like Jackie Brown and, ah, and he's got a very, very small part in Mulholland Drive. Right. So to me, this is like a young Robert Forster. Okay. <laughs> this is the youngest I've ever seen him. I don't remember either of those. Um, no. So it's good. I was thinking, oh, that's a young Robert Forster, and then I realised that actually, no, this is in this his is later a, years. Yeah, <laughs> this is him on his way down. <laughs> yeah, he did far better things before. This. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I enjoyed it. It was good. It was schlocky. It was daft. It was funny. But you know, I did, I did read that Quentin Tarantino is a uh, is a big fan of this film. That's why mm. he cast him in uh, in Jackie Brown, and he modelled that character after this. Or he named another character Madison, maybe after this one. Yeah, I haven't um, seen that film so for a long time. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's pretty self aware. This movie, isn't it? I think that's what, to its credit. It it knows that it's knocking off Jaws very yeah, much. Yeah. It tells you it pretty pretty early on. It knows that it's sending up cop melodramas. It knows it knows all of the things that it's sort of doing. I mm. think, and it's not. I'm not trying to be massively clever at any point. So no. this is one of my one of my favourites from my childhood. Would be rented on VHS quite a lot. Uh, you know, I probably wish that I had a a little baby alligator of my own. But um, put it down the toilet. But yeah, see what well, happens. we've learned that we can't be trusted with alligators. <laughs> you know, certainly not in America. So that's alligator from 1980, and we will move on next to Blood Surf, aka Crocodilus. Uh, from the year 2000 now the thing about this movie is you'll find very little information whatsoever about it so (laughs) i can't tell you a lot about the making of it can't tell you why it was called blood surf i also can't tell you why it was also called crocodilus although i would like to know there's no trivia Um, on imdb there's no trivia on imdb (laughs) if anyone knows anything about this movie um let us know and then stick it on imdb no one will challenge you you can put what you want yeah all we do know is that it is a killer crocodile movie from the year 2000, uh, although 
it's sort of quite confused about whether it's a killer shark movie or a killer crocodile movie, which we'll, we'll get to. All I do know about this, and it's something I found out looking at, it was the very last film that uh, Trimark Pictures uh, ever produced, which was a very schlocky, low-budget studio that ran actually only about 10 years from sort of 89 to 2000. Didn't do a lot, but what they did produce was the Leprechaun franchise. Ah, yes. Including Leprechaun in Space and Leprechaun in the Hood, which you can check out in the archives. We did review both of those movies. Mm. So their reputation precedes them, but unfortunately this was the um, the <laughs> the death knell for Trimark Pictures was this uh, schlocky croc movie. We start off with some terrible font. It looks like it's you know microsoft word typed over the top of it um we get a sort of a montage of some people being killed in the water it's not clear if it's a shark or a crocodile which is a good summary of this film it's not clear if it's a shark or a crocodile just lots of blood and yeah yeah um we we get lots of exterior shots of this mysterious island i was, I was reminded a lot, a lot of lost you know, there's all this sort of tribal boom, 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 music and, um, you know, lots of airplanes flying around this, this uh, island. Completely unclear where in the world this is meant to be. The Pacific, somewhere, uh, Philippines-ish, yeah. Indonesia. Somewhere where they have temples and... We're close-ish to Australia, we're led to believe. So we'll, we'll, we'll say the South Pacific, mm. somewhere out there. Uh, in the credits, we, we see initially credits for the animatronic effect. So I'm thinking... It's the year 2000. <laughs> animatronic effects. Like, we just watched animatronic effects in 1980, you know, and they were pretty good. But, you know, we, you expect, I think, CGI by 2000. But there you go. A little taster. Straight away in the helicopter as these uh, surfer people are coming in there, they say, whoa, what was that film with the sharks in it? Jaws. Oh, yeah, that's the one. So that's the Jaws reference. It's not very witty. <laughs> Trying to make it any more obvious that they're... Uh... <laughs> We're going to I mean, reference that film. Or... They didn't try to make a joke of it, really. They just no. said, can we have one of the characters mention the film Jaws? Yeah. <laughs> Here we go, it's out there. We can move on. <laughs> so we've got this uh, sort of MTV um, documentary director who's, uh, his plan is to bring these expert surfers, one called Boggs. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Stupid fucking name, Bog. <laughs> Bog and Jeremy of these characters, these expert surfers. Uh, Cecily, who is the um, camera woman. Um, and the idea uh, for the director is to do some blood surfing. Whether this is a real thing or not, I, I don't know. But the idea is that you put chum in the water and then you send people out to surf so that you can get some footage of them surfing with sharks sort of in the foreground. Does this exist outside of this film? I don't know. If you are a blood surfer, <laughs> um, message us. We, we want to know. Um, I suspect no one really does this, but... Um, no. So we get the first of many sort of um, surf rock uh, interludes where it's just lots of footage of waves and palm trees and, and surf rock, which is pretty fun. They have to convince the locals to take them to this place um, called, I believe it was called Lilo Key, Lilo Key or whatever the fuck it's called. This is part of this island where, as the locals point out, you don't want to go there. A shark infested. <laughs> and one of the surfers is just like, yeah, no, yeah, man. <laughs> Sort of uh, um, this Jeremy character reminds me of like Stifler from American Pie. Yeah, He's that yeah. sort of, or like Jim Carrey. Yeah. He's there to be a like just really obnoxious rubber-faced fucker. Now they they also run into this sort of gruff captain 
in the bar later on that night and they're trying to um it's not really clear what what the point is here because they've already said they've already got some locals to take them but then they bump into this captain and he tries to bribe him to tell him where where the best sharks are or something like that and he says no i won't do it and he's like, oh, okay and then the captain's girlfriend puts on this like really cheesy disco house music and does like a little it's meant to be a sexy dance sexy but... dance yeah <laughs> quote marks marks doing quote marks yeah it meant to be a sexy dance but like it's so awkward uh, and all the all the surfer guys are like biting their lip and like going, oh wow look at that girl and it's just fucking cringy and horrible <clears throat> no i didn't get the point his girlfriend does a stripper dance and then he, he comes over and the captain says oh yeah i've reconsidered now and i'll do it <laughs> like what was the dancing for <laughs> how did the dance achieve that I, maybe the idea was that um i think she she was trying to like emasculate him and say like oh we never do anything uh, exciting so she does a sexy dance to some guys and that makes him jealous that's mm. the only thing i can think of <laughs> the surfer guys joke like is she a local other one says no she's universal <laughs> Uh, but then later on in the evening, uh, the captain and his girlfriend um, sort of kiss and make up. And you can tell that because he is ripping her top off and bending her over <laughs> the side of his boat in plain view of everybody in the in the harbour. And, and the surfers just sit there and, and watch it quite enthusiastically. Uh, Jeremy, the, the, the bleach blonde uh, sort of goofy guy, is woken up the next day by a, a beautiful local girl called Lemia. They all get suited up in chainmail. Um, what the camera, camera woman does anyway. If that wasn't bad enough, they all cut their foot with a knife so that they can bleed a little bit more. Oh, yeah. As, as in addition to chucking um, like bloody fish into the sea, they also cut their foot as well. Let's make this even more dangerous. Yeah, because they're really fucking hard. You know? <laughs> really, this is like point break type of uh, characters, but in the jaws film you know mm. that's what they're going for lots of sort of stock footage of sharks here superimposed on uh, uh, footage of some people surfing it's obviously not the actors mm. so the, the fakeness of this scene is kind of like threefold it's it's like some stock footage of some sharks that aren't really there over some footage of some people surfing that aren't really there yeah and then cutting back to the actors just on their paddleboard sort of going, oh, wow, that was, that was extreme. <laughs> like, none of this is, is connected. It's such such a discord, you know, because yeah. um, it's clearly not the actors surfing and you wouldn't expect it to be. But then the surfers clearly aren't surfing with sharks, which you also wouldn't expect it to be. So it's just a stupid idea, really, mm. which is never going to work. But you just end up with these, like, ghostly shark fins floating past these, these surfer guys that don't really look like the actors. It's... Mm. Big fucking mess. Um, Cecily is sort of attacked by the sharks, so they sort of give it a break. And then um, the sharks actually get eaten, and loads of blood spits up in the air. Uh, this is about 25 minutes into the film, and it was at this point that I remembered that this is not a shark movie. This is a crocodile movie. Yeah. It just hit me. I was like, what the fuck was that? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's a crocodile film. I right. thought that as well. Because they didn't set they didn't mention obviously crocodiles the entire first act. No. It was shark, 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 surfing, surfing. I was like, okay, yes, yeah, this is a surfing shark film. So uh, again, very confused direction here with this film. Like they 
if it didn't have a massive picture of a crocodile on the cover, you could say it was a twist. Yeah. But <laughs> it's not a twist. The idea, the synopsis mentions a giant crocodile. <laughs> the poster has a giant crocodile. The alternate title is Crocodilus. <laughs> so it's it's no it's no clever twist. It's you know they just couldn't decide whether they want to do a shark movie or a crocodile. Yeah. Why not do both? <laughs> so this is where we get the sort of left turn where we where we move into a crocodile movie. Uh, Jeremy and Lemia <clears throat> explore uh, the sort of temples, uh, while Boggs does a bit more surfing. What one of the funniest scenes here in the film? <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy is is sort of getting down to business with Lemia, and he says, "How old are you anyway?" <laughs> and she says, "Oh, I'm going to be 15." <laughs> we we start pissing ourselves, <laughs> and we laugh over the next little bit of dialogue. Oh, yeah, and then. <laughs> Then we see them fucking in the sacred temple pool. So we're thinking this guy has just violated a 14-year-old. <laughs> we're panicking. But uh, on closer inspection, uh, <laughs> we rewound the film. And it turns out she says, I'm going to be 15. And then really quietly... No, I'm actually 19. Yeah, I'm 19, <laughs> silly. And he's like, oh, that's fine then. Just like he's suddenly like, start fucking that crazy. Thrusting in the, in the little lagoon um, for a good three minutes while, then, while her parents get eaten. After that, you find out she's 17. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, no. And then he's like, wait, is that legal here? <laughs> yeah, which it almost certainly is. Yeah. yeah. And then she gets eaten anyway, so who cares? <laughs> He, 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 he might have uh, very much become a, a nonce, but it's fine because she's just been eaten by a crocodile, so we won't worry about that now. They discover the wrecked boat with the uh, uh, her parents, the, the the sort of local guides. Oh no, we're stuck on the on this little little island now. This little and the tape is still in there as well, so someone has to dive down and get it. And of course, you get the the obligatory um, jaws jump scare where the head comes floating out of a part of the boat is just ripped off note for note from Jaws is not, not particularly clever mm. almost immediately after ripping off Jaws there's a scene of the pier exploding with all the planks being shot up which is a rip off of um, Godzilla from 1998 which we reviewed a couple of episodes ago that's that's a pier scene from that being uh, referenced and then they found out they've been marooned on an island with pirates on it some local mm. sort of Hispanic pirates? So it kind of makes me think they're in the Philippines because some of them are speaking Spanish. They tell him that there's a giant crocodile and so he decides he'll reference Godzilla as well. So again, the rules in this film are you can rip off whatever you want as long as you say the title of the movie out loud. <laughs> it's like uh, in Uno. You know, you have to say Uno otherwise uh, you're out of the game. Yeah. <laughs> Jaws, Jaws, three times Jaws. <laughs> we can rip it off now. No lawsuits. <laughs> Piranha, Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> the the surfer or survivors of the surfing survivors get stuffed in the boat here um, with the pirates. But no sooner have they been locked up, or you think, oh, okay, we're gonna have a bit of downtime here. No, the massive crocodile leaps out of the water and like comes crashing down onto the pirate ship. Uh, so they take this opportunity of, of, of sort of a bit of mayhem and chaos to push the pirates overboard and steal their boat. But then no sooner have they done that than the pirates sort of throw grenades at them and shoot them and then the boat explodes. So it's an action-packed sort of three minutes here. Mm. This is just after our takeaway arrives as well. So it's it's very tense yeah. uh, scene here. I was trying not to look at my food too much. <laughs> <laughs> you might miss the leaping crocodile. <laughs> they all get rescued by the, the gruff captain from earlier who's been sort of floating in the area. 
um, just in case, I guess. So they're all saved, yay! And then uh, down in the in the cabin, the director proposes a toast to uh, one of the characters who's dies. But then this just ends up being every character saying yes to Lemire, yes, also to this guy, no to this guy. <laughs> so it's basically a handy recap of everyone that's been murdered so far, yeah. uh, in case you'd forgotten. <laughs> but it's also uh, proposing a toast as well. It's quite clever. Uh, so at this time we get another one of these flashbacks here with the blood and the people in the water and we realise it's the, the flashbacks of the captain because he's come across this crocodile before. So here here is the uh, the Moby Dick kind of uh, angle here where uh, he's he's... He's been defeated by this crocodile before, but now he's come back to, to get him. He's come back for revenge against this, this massive uh, beast. They mm. don't actually say Moby Dick out loud, so I'm not <laughs> sure if this works, but that is the idea. Captain Ahab, the captain's girlfriend, mentions to the director that this crocodile is 31 feet long, 3,000 pounds, the biggest crocodile ever in the world. <laughs> so the idea is that he's like... Oh, this sounds like a pretty good movie. You know, mm-hmm. my my uh, shark surfing movie is is done, but what about the biggest crocodile ever? Sounds pretty good. Mm. So he decides to nickname this crocodile Big Mick. Yeah, we just get a, a lot of this uh, this crocodile attacking them. Practical effects in this one really not as good as the practical effects in 1918, <laughs> um, which is weird. Twenty years have passed here. The practical effects are a little bit panto, I would say. The CGI even worse. Um, there are there are issues with the kind of scale of the creature. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> sometimes it looks massive. Sometimes it doesn't. When it's in the water, it looks small. When it's out of the water, its head's like the size of a car. Yeah. It's all over the place in terms of the creature design. They haven't really coordinated this very well. Poor old Jeremy is eaten um, while the while the crocodile's attacking the ship. Tries to stab it in the head several times. It just flips him up in the air. And he's like flying in the air for about 10 seconds. I was like, oh, <laughs> lands in its mouth. The director sort of is a bit of a cowardly character. He tries to surf away and he gets eaten as well. So we're, we're down to uh, Boggs, Cecily and the captain's girlfriend. The captain gets eaten as well. He gets it's a weird sort of third act here. It gets super like gory all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, there are some good kills. It's, it gets really, it's <laughs> kind of good. Yeah. Um, the, the captain gets like chomped in half, and you just see from his his torso downwards is just like flopping bits of gristle. And, I wasn't expecting know. that because we hadn't had anything like that in this film up until that point. I haven't like, had anything wow. resembling a budget. Yeah. Exactly. Or, or, yeah. or effects Especially of any kind. Yeah. Good. Uh, like, it's not bad. Quite yeah. well done, yeah. It's certainly passable effects when the, when the gore's happening. Uh, the pirate, one of the pirates resurfaces, again, gets a bit sort of rapey. Um, but she skewers him on a booby trap. Again, amazing gore on this one. The spike goes right through his mouth and at the back yeah, of his head. Yeah, that was really good. Cannibal <laughs> Holocaust sort of stuff. <laughs> girls, so it's just it's just the two girls now in bogs. Uh, they, they gingerly climb over what Stuart Lee would call a jungle canyon rope bridge, <laughs> uh, with the planks obviously giving way every now and then, you know, classic. There's this ludicrous bit where the crocodile is chasing them and ends up sort of getting stuck on a uh, on an embankment. So they get their tits out and like, woo, yeah, yeah, you want this, don't you? I bet you want this. So we're thinking like, what the fuck? What is this? 
And then the Cecily character says, that's what you call croc-teasing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like wondering, why are they getting their cleavage out? Like, what is this for? And they obviously like came up with the joke before yeah. just worked their way backwards. I mean, there's already been a lot of tits in this film, to yeah, be fair. Yeah. The first actor was more tits than, than sharks. Yeah. And more tits than crocs as well. So there's there's a precedent. Boggs returns with some explosives that he found somewhere. Um, he starts sort of um, doing a bit of croc teasing himself. <laughs> um, starts shouting at the crocodile, you're a belt, you're a suitcase. Now, they didn't shout out Eraser here, but they are definitely ripping off Arnold Schwarzenegger kicking an alligator in a razor and calling it luggage um, but not being as, as uh, pithy as Arnie mm-hmm. so the croc kind of rushes them at this point and it's uh, again a super messy mixture of like rubber sort of puppet a miniature sort of rubber thing maybe a real uh, crocodile in here maybe I don't know it's all happening so fast sometimes a CGI crocodiles like jumping everywhere like crocodiles don't really jump this one does. He propels himself sort of 40 foot through the air like a fl- flying crocodile and ends up impaling himself on a, a massive spear. <laughs> and that's it for the uh, for the, the massive crocodile here. So uh, Boggs and, and Cecily just sort of start humping in the grass and then we get a close-up of the, uh, the sort of river. Some sinister music plays, but there's no baby crocodiles or anything it's just no. they couldn't even be bothered with that it was just like what if we just play the scary music again and people, mm-hmm. people would be like oh oh okay <laughs> and then it just uh roll the credits and roll the surf rock again the stock <laughs> stock surf rock stock rock stock rock yeah i would say you know if if like frank black was singing over the top of this you'd think it was great but, <laughs> um it was this was just pretty standard stuff so there it is, Blood Surf, a.k.a. Crocodilus from the year 2000. What did you think of this one, Mark? Yeah, it was good. Um, lots of tits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> lots of bad acting. Story just sort of went off a bit on one part. and But yeah, it was pretty good fun. I enjoyed it. Ticks a lot of boxes, like you said. Yeah. Blood and tits. <laughs> Those are two massive boxes yeah. for horror films. I did get a lot of laughs out of this, actually. It was good, <laughs> it was good fun. Yeah, it's it's interesting for us to review movies around the year two thousand, you know, because um, you know, it's a period that we can actually remember yeah. the fashion and the expressions, and perhaps we knew some surfing characters <laughs> like this, uh, you know, back in our younger years. So it's always interesting to see, and of course, this is a sort of an awkward transition between practical effects and CGI. You know, the late nineties, early two thousands was really a difficult time for filmmakers to decide which you should go for, you know, because mm. there'd been some really successful films like Terminator and the Abyss and stuff like that, that had done CGI brilliantly, which led a lot of people to think, great CGI. That's what we're doing now. Fuck practical effects. And then you get stuff like Catwoman and yeah. um, Scorpion King and stuff like that, you know, mm. so it's, it's worth hanging on to practical effects, which they did do. For, I think to their credit in this, if it had all been CGI, it would have looked a lot worse, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty fun. Um, very schlocky. An interesting concept. A bunch of surfers go um, trying to find sharks, but find a giant crocodile instead. You know, what a what a twist. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it should have been a shark film. Who knows? Um, but yeah, that that's Blood Surf. Point Break meets Jaws, let's say. Yeah. Meets Alligator. Mark, if you had to flush one of these movies down the toilet, Whoa. where it would succumb to growth hormones and toxic waste and such 
And if you had to sail away with one to a um, picturesque South Pacific island, which would you flush? Which would you take on a surfing holiday? Hmm, it's tough. Probably laughed a little bit more in blood surf. Mm. But I'm going to say alligator. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've got a lot more attachment to it. I saw it a lot when I was a kid, you know, and it's just a... Uh, I think it's a better made movie and they are more self-aware um, when they are ripping off the films. They don't just say the film out loud and carry on. You know, they, they do it with a bit of wit and a, a wink, mm. a wink and a nudge to the camera, which I think is essential when, you, when you're tr- treading a, another film's sort of path, you know. It's, it's slightly better made. The effects are actually way better in 1980 than they were in the yeah. year 2000. That's surprising, um, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, Robert Foster is, is pretty funny. And uh, yeah, Blood Surf is just it's just a made made for TV kind of um, cobbled together kind of kind of thing. And like I say, it'd be the last thing that the studio ever produced. So mm. obviously they were running out of money, ideas, enthusiasm, you know. So yeah, mm. I would agree. Alligator here is a superior killer croc movie. If you are, guys are going to check one out, so recommendations. So there are actually quite a lot of uh, of good killer crocodile movies uh one main one that springs to mind is rogue from around 2007-ish it was directed by the guy that did wolf creek the australian director and it is basically another enormous saltwater crocodile that comes down a a sort of tidal river and um some boat of tourists gets gets stranded on a little island and that's him just just stalking them really good um cgi effect on the crocodile in this one um, from the same year, actually, 2007 was a really strong year for mm. crocodile movies. There was a film called Blackwater. Mm. That's a slightly different one in that there are a few crocodiles and people get sort of um, stuck in a mangrove swamp. Um, so you can't even see if they're in the water and you and the, the boat sinks and they have to kind of cling to all these mangroves and crawl their way through them without these crocodiles coming up. So that's really tense, really good as well. Yeah. Um, like I said, is Eaten Alive from 1979-ish. Toby Hooper's sort of Texas Chainsaw <laughs> meets meets some crocodiles kind of uh, thing. Um, that's pretty good as well. And um, yeah, if you just want sort of killer animal movies as well, and Piranha, Joe Dante's Piranha. From the late 70s is also great. And Piranha 3D, I was actually reminded of quite a lot with Blood Surf. Piranha 3D is about a, a sleazy film director who does Girls Gone Wild sorts of videos, spring break girls getting their tits out videos, <laughs> and goes to a lake in America and all these prehistoric massive piranhas leak into the, um, into the lake and start chomping off people's tits and, and dicks and stuff like that. So Piranha 3D is, is brilliant if anyone hasn't seen that. That's only from a few years ago. I would recommend that as well. Please do subscribe to the podcast. Uh, it means every time we release an episode, you'll be the first one to know about it. Um, if you could give us a five-star rating on iTunes, that would be much appreciated as well. As I mentioned earlier, there is a brand new Killer Crocodile film out called Crawl. I'm going to go and see that one next week, and I will be doing one of my short, sharp schlocks reviews on the YouTube channel to let you know what I thought of that. So we'll see... If uh, Alexandra Aja, the famous uh, French horror uh, director, has, uh, has done a, a good job with the, uh, the Killer Croc uh, movie in 2019. So keep an eye on the YouTube channel, subscribe there as well so you get all, the, all our latest videos. All the podcasts go on there and all my short reviews of, of newer movies go on there as well. So keep an eye out. That has been another episode of Schlock Tactics. My name is Binash and I have been joined once again by Mark. Good fight. I mean night. <laughs> 
And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.